This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg, reporting from Tallahassee, where lawmakers are dealing with some very personal issues. Let's just say things are getting kind of creepy in the Capitol. A Senate committee votes to impose new regulations on fertility clinics and crack down on doctors who secretly use their own sperm to inseminate their patients. A budget subcommittee in the Senate votes to get rid of the statute and limitations in cases involving sexual abuse of a child. A bill requiring Florida employers to use the federal e-verify system to screen new hires clears a Senate committee without any of the exemptions sought by the business community, but the sponsor of the bill says it has become a parody of itself. Sheriffs and police chiefs are asking Florida lawmakers not to get carried away with sentencing reform. They say the current system is working. Representative Diane Hart says that is nonsense. A bill banning wage discrimination and requiring equal pay for women is going nowhere, but the sponsors are still happy because they actually had a chance to present the bill in committee. It's all about lowered expectations. We'll also have your daily calendar of events and our regular update on Florida Man. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Wednesday, February 19th. The Criminal Justice Committee in the State Senate votes to crack down on fertility doctors who secretly use their own sperm to impregnate their patients. Senator Lauren Book is the sponsor of SB 698. She's also the mother of twins conceived through in vitro fertilization. On my IVF journey, I learned that there are many, many good infertility doctors who do the right thing and work to do the best thing by their patients. But since that time, I've come to learn about and meet many others who have fallen prey to careless and even intentional harm inflicted in a largely unregulated industry. In some cases, negligent specimen storage practices have caused um, a woman to be inseminated with another, with another couple's embryo, carrying a child to term that does not belong to her. Can you imagine that type of pain, suffering, and confusion, the tangled and costly legal web? Even worse, Patients across the country have fallen victim to what is known as fertility fraud at the hands of predatory physicians who intentionally inseminate their patients with their own biological material. I ask again, can you even begin to imagine? This has dire consequences which range from the pollution of the gene pool through inadvertent incest, but also we've found reports of doctors fathering as many as 75 children but also to the mental health of the parents and children who learned that they were doctor-conceived and deceived. Legally, reproductive technology is almost completely unregulated. Technology has far outpaced the law, leaving vulner vulnerability and gaps for Floridians so desperate to help start their families. Eve Wiley of Dallas is one of those babies. She was conceived through artificial insemination, and years later, when her son was diagnosed with celiac disease, they decided to do some genetic testing. That's when Wiley discovered her real father was not the donor listed on her medical records. My mom's fertility doctor chose to use his own sperm without my parents' knowledge or consent, and he is my biological father. And what we found out is that this is not a crime in 47 states. And in Texas specifically and everywhere else, you don't have a civil cause of action. You don't have a criminal cause of action. And in Texas, the medical board couldn't even take action. So he is still practicing today with zero measurable accountability. I get contacted almost weekly at this point from victims all over the United States. And unfortunately, their only path to accountability is to settle out of court with a non-disclosure in exchange for full anonymity for these doctors. And they get to continue practicing with their reputation intact. And that is what has happened here in Florida. I am asking you guys to please 
give these victims a voice because I am here to tell you the pain that this has caused my family, the disruption in genetic identity. I am 33 years old, starting over for the third time in my life. This is not okay. Senator Brooks' bill authorizes civil lawsuits and criminal prosecution in cases where a physician intentionally or recklessly implants the incorrect sperm, eggs, or embryos into a patient. It has cleared two Senate committees, one more stop in the Rules Committee before it goes to the floor. There's a lot of talk in the legislature this year about sentencing reform, but law enforcement is trying to shut it down. Walton County Sheriff Mike Atkinson says they don't want inmates to get any sort of early release from state prisons. There is this debate in Florida now about either incarceration or rehabilitation. We think that's a false dichotomy. We think it should be both. They go hand in hand. Florida's at a 50-year crime low, and we think that part of that is our ability to both rehabilitate and to hold accountable. I don't like the word reform. Reform seems to carry a certain level of, of connotation of baggage. I will say that it is in the best interest of the Florida police chiefs, the Florida sheriffs, uh, the Florida legislature, the citizens of the state of Florida, that we do everything we can to engage in a climate of continuous improvement in the Florida prison system. At the same time, we have a responsibility to the citizens of the state of Florida to make sure that people are held accountable. It does not have to be either or. It can be both. Gary Hester with the Florida Police Chiefs Association says all the talk about cutting some slack for first-time drug offenders may sound good, but he says most of those people are already hardcore criminals before they arrive in prison. The overwhelming majority uh, of criminals in prison today for drug-related crimes are not low risk, they're high risk offenders, and a significant number of them has violent criminal histories uh, that occurred prior to their commitment uh, for the drug-related offense that they may be serving time for today. The vast majority uh, of those uh, offenders are repeat offenders. Uh, over 85% of them have committed previous crimes, and they commit crimes over and over and over again. Uh, They'll have 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, and even more previous convictions uh, before they enter the Florida prison system. The sheriffs and police chiefs say this is no time to ease off on sentencing, but Representative Diane Hart says all they're really doing now is warehousing prisoners without giving them the skills they need to re-enter society once they're released. She says the state cannot afford to do that anymore. They're not serious about this. They're talking about lock people up, keep them locked up, you know, crime is down. But we're, we're still full, right? So obviously crime is not down. Crime is still being committed because the prisons are full. 94,000 people in Florida incarcerated and many with no kind of training. They're just sitting there. Some people have been locked up 25, 30 years. Do we throw the keys away? We're not even rehabilitating the folk we have currently in our facilities. We talk about money. We can't keep throwing money at the problem. Even the secretary says it's unsustainable. So what they're saying makes no real sense to me. A few hours after the sheriff's press conference, a Senate budget subcommittee approved Senator Jeff Brandis's bill allowing shorter sentences for drug defendants who get rehab or treatment. The Commerce Committee in the state Senate approves a bill requiring public and private employers in Florida to use the federal e-verify system to check the immigration status of new hires. But the sponsor says a last-minute amendment pretty much gutted the bill. The business community does not like e-verify because, well, frankly, Florida relies on cheap, undocumented labor. But Senator Tom Lee says they're breaking the law. It is illegal for an employer to hire someone that is not authorized to work in the United States of America. That is against the law today.
It's every employer's responsibility to make sure that they're following the law. For all too long, we've gone with the honor system in this country because we have preferred to exploit. We have exploited these people that come to this country. We know they're seeking a better life. We know the magnet in this country is a job. And we exploit these people when, we get there, when they get here. We push them underground. They live in the shadows in fear of deportation because they know they're not here illegally. And they'll work for pennies on the dollar of what we would have to pay lawful Americans. In doing so, we have an uh, imbalance in supply and demand in labor in this, country, in this state that suppresses wages and puts foreigners who should not be here working ahead of lawful Florida citizens. And that is just wrong. And we can continue to turn a blind eye to that in the name of capitalism and the almighty dollar. We can stand up for the rule of law in this Senate. And I hope before this, we sign and die on the 60th day, we'll have a bill out of here that is, that is much stronger than the one we have in front of us. Big Biz is not the only opponent. The Reverend Russell Meyer with the Florida Council of Churches says the E-Verify bill ignores biblical principle and will harm Floridians. And when a, a state like Florida tries to correct a federal problem, Floridians get harmed. And so at the end of the day, this bill would harm Floridians. It is a, a biblical principle that work has dignity, that work should be done with fair compensation, and that um, the people of the land welcome strangers among them to live and work in the land. Those are basic principles. We desperately need workers in this country by the millions in particularly low-wage areas. Preventing people who are here from working in this kind of way will only hurt Floridians. It will hurt legal citizens. And so we need to find another way to solve the problem. But Robert Wyndham with Floridians for E-Verify Now says this isn't just immigration. He calls it a matter of public safety. Illegal aliens on average murder 428 people in Florida every year. And this does not include the many others killed on our roads every year by illegal alien drivers. On average, every year in Florida, 550 illegal aliens are convicted of serious crimes like murder and rape, and that's based on U.S. Sentencing Commission data. Illegal aliens in Florida commit crimes at a 60% higher rate than Florida citizens. The only way to end this carnage is to pass mandatory E-Verify for all Florida employers, which would stop illegal aliens from coming here and over time cause the illegal aliens already here to leave. Senator Lee's bill emerged from the Commerce Committee after lawmakers rejected amendments that would have exempted agriculture, construction, tourism, and health care employers from the federal verification process. But another amendment was adopted, allowing employers to use a system that is substantially equivalent to E-Verify. Lee says his bill has now become a mockery of what it was supposed to be. If it passes in its current form, the senator says he will ask the governor to veto the bill.
Two key committees in the Florida House and Senate vote unanimously in favor of bills that would pay more than $2 million to Clifford Williams. The North Florida man spent 43 years in prison after being wrongfully convicted in a 1976 murder case out of Jacksonville. The House Appropriations Committee and the Senate Criminal and Civil Justice Appropriations Sub approved identical bills to compensate Williams. He's being paid $50,000 for every year he spent behind bars, including his time on death row. Next up, a tribute of sorts to the women in the Florida legislature who continue to fight for equal pay, knowing all the while it is not going to happen, at least not in Tallahassee. This is Sunrise from Florida Politics. If you live along the I-4 corridor, learn to use your business experience to impact public policy. Apply today to the Central Florida Political Leadership Institute at cflpli.org. The Orlando Economic Partnership offers this free nonpartisan program for business-minded leaders to explore whether elected or appointed office is right for them, discover political strategies to succeed and lead, and join a network of influencers. Apply by February 21st. Visit cflpli.org. That's cflpli.org. Welcome back to Sunrise, where things do get a bit surreal at times. Senator Linda Stewart of Orlando is the sponsor of an equal pay bill, and she called a press conference at the Capitol to celebrate a major milestone. It's an important day because for the first time, my bill on equal pay for equal work will be heard in the Senate. Senate Bill 90 is an important bill that will make a real difference in our fight for equality. The bill not only provides protections for wages, but also prevents employers from assigning women to lower earning career tracks. This has been debated as the women's issue. It's not really. It's an issue of fairness. It is an issue of basic decency. I have filed this particular piece of legislation for three years now uh, as an effort to secure, in law, equal pay for equal work. Today's hearing is an important step opening up discussion on this issue for the future. Today we show people of Florida that the Senate hears your voices and is ready to work towards securing pay equality for all. Representative Geraldine Thompson of Orlando is sponsoring the House version of the Equal Pay Bill. And House Bill 739. Uh, would finally give women an equal opportunity with regard to pay. You just heard about the pay gap that, that continues to exist because there have been some uh, misconceptions about why women work. At one time, people thought that women worked to help pay for the boat or the cabin in the mountain or the extras. Women work for the same reasons that men work. And in many cases in today's society, uh, women are the chief breadwinners in their household. And when they have uh, equal responsibility, they should get equal pay. Senator Lori Berman has been working on this issue for years, and she was thrilled the equal pay bill will finally get a hearing. Women have made huge gains in our society, but as we all know, we have much further to go. The fact that we have to bring this bill forward year after year is evidence of that. You know, we talked about the fact that women make significantly less than men, and it doesn't affect women just on an annual basis. It's a lifetime impact. It affects women's 
retirement income, and their ability to retire with dignity. And it's about time that we address this. I'm so happy that we're going to be hearing this bill today, but we need to make sure that this bill gets across the finish line here in Florida. So I'm urging Floridians to call their representatives and ask them to support SB 90 and HB 739. We need to use our dollars to support our values. Equal pay for equal work is a basic right. The women of Florida aren't asking for much. We're simply asking for our whole damn dollar. But when that bill finally came up in the Senate Commerce Committee, there was no vote. Stewart did not have enough support, so she agreed to temporarily postpone it. And at this point in the session, that means it's pretty much good as dead. Stewart, Thompson, and Berman knew the equal pay bill was going nowhere, but they still considered a major achievement just to get the bill on the agenda and to actually say the words in front of the committee. One can only imagine how they'll respond if one day the legislature actually agrees with the concept of equal pay for equal work. Your political calendar gets off to an early start, 8.30 in the morning. That's when the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission is holding a two-day meeting at the Tallahassee Civic Center. The House Ways and Means Committee meets at 9. At 10, the Senate Rules Committee takes up a proposal by Senator Kelly Stargell to prevent insurance companies from using your genetic information to make policy decisions about life insurance and long-term care. The full House meets at 1.30 to take up numerous bills during a floor session, including a controversial bill that would require parental consent before minors can have abortions. The Senate has already passed its version of that bill. Also at 1.30, the Senate Children, Families, and Elder Affairs Committee will take up a bill requiring the Florida High School Athletics Association to take a series of steps to try to prevent heat strokes involving high school athletes. The Senate Judiciary Committee meets at 1.30. They'll take up a bill making it harder for citizen initiatives to reach the ballot. And the Senate is scheduled to hold floor session beginning at 4 in the afternoon. And finally today, our continuing adventures of Florida Man. Two Florida women are arrested after police say they broke into the home of a friend and vandalized her bedroom using duct tape and dog poop. The Gainesville Sun reports 18-year-old Nikki Sismandis and 19-year-old Jasmine Suarez used the duct tape to spell out a big dirty word on the wall and then planted the feces on the victim's bed. They were apparently upset that the victim did not respond to their text messages asking her to hang out. Finally, deputies say a Florida man who was drunk and tripping went on a rampage with a sledgehammer in the Florida Keys. 32-year-old Rafael Suarez Gomez told officers he'd been drinking when someone gave him a hallucinogenic drug of some sort. A short time later, he started seeing demons, and he tried to kill them with a sledgehammer. What he actually attacked were several vehicles and windows. He also destroyed the camper where he was living. Seven sliding doors, six windows, four mirrors, two hurricane French doors, two TVs, and a microwave oven were all destroyed. That's it for today's edition of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. <music>